Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the protracted fight over who will be the next Speaker of the House is something none of us have witnessed in our lifetime. Will it have a lingering effect on Republicans' ability to capitalize on their newly earned majority? Also this morning, a showcase for everything from the practical to the futuristic to the offbeat side of technology. We have more from CES 2023 in Las Vegas. Finley Trojans head coach Jim Rookie previews this weekend's games against Fremont Ross and Ottawa Glandorf and kicking off a new year of tasty and easy to make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, January 6th, 2023. What is your New Year's resolution? Um, have you given it up yet? I mean, we're, what, six days into uh, January, and most experts say by the end of this month, most of the uh, resolutions will be abandoned. But uh, a recent survey finds that the average American wants to lose 29 pounds this year. That is the magic number for most of us uh, who are looking to lose weight. A very common New Year's resolution, 29 pounds, and Columbia University researchers have discovered a treatment that may be able to target negatively charged fat anywhere in your body. Due to genetic changes, it says, some fat cells behave in a chronically obese manner uh, and are negatively charged. These are cells in your body that are predisposed toward obesity because of genetic changes in those uh, cells. So what they have done, this is an experimental treatment. Uh, they uh, studied mice and lab experiments who received this treatment, found that their negatively charged fat cells then began to behave as healthy fat cells. They were able to reprogram the cells to act as normal cells. And so they say that they can shrink fat in a depot-specific manner. They can target fat anywhere in the body and in a safe way without destroying uh, fat cells. It is a major advance, they say, in the treatment of obesity. So, what about that? Some pretty cool stuff. And, by the way, speaking of uh, science, I mean, you think about all of the ways that medical science has evolved and improved over the years, and yet we're still fighting the Battle of the Bulge. And you know the other thing that we're fighting? Baldness. <laughs> Why do some human beings go bald while other animals, I mean, human beings are animals, right? Uh, but some animals uh, do not lose their hair. For example, lions uh, always have those majestic manes. They never lose them. So why is that? If we're all animals, why do we lose our hair and many other members of the uh, animal kingdom do not? The answer here, too, may be genetic, according to a study out of the University of Utah. They compared the genetic codes from 62 different animals, humans included, and in our species, evolution appears to have turned off the genes necessary 
to don a full coat of hair. So knowing exactly, they, they by extension, figure that knowing exactly which genes are responsible for hair growth could help those suffering from baldness. And this was kind of interesting. Nine other mammals, just nine mammals of all of the mammals on earth, only nine have those genes disabled. Humans being one of them. Some of the others include rhinos, naked mole rats. <laughs> you know, I've always uh, thought that many human beings have a lot in common with naked mole rats. And uh, dolphins, another uh, species that has the same genetic mutation as we do. So, kind of interesting there. I've never seen a hairy dolphin, so I suppose that is true. Uh, let's see. Speaking of uh, amazing science, this I thought was kind of interesting. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has given the green light to the use of a groundbreaking vaccine that offers protection to honeybees. Uh, biotech company Delan Animal Health made this announcement earlier in the week. The world's first vaccine for honeybees has been granted a conditional license in an effort to defend bee colonies from American fowl brood disease, which is a bacterial menace that kills developing bee larvae. And when it infests a hive, beekeepers have to destroy and actually bury the remnants of the hive and all related equipment because it is so... Uh, contagious, I guess, and, and nefarious. It can spread so easily from one beehive to the next. So once they find it, they have to destroy the whole colony and and uh, basically burn it all and then bury the ashes so that it uh, doesn't spread. The CEO of Delan Animal Health says, our vaccine is a breakthrough in protecting honeybees. We are ready to change how we care for insects, which on the surface, you might think, how big of a deal is this? But it could have a huge impact on food production on a global scale. You think of all of the foods that need to be pollinated. Virtually every plant-based food uh, has to be pollinated. And so uh, this is a, a big, big deal. Some of the other uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your day. We have the annual recap of uh, weather events from 2022. According to the weather monitoring company, uh, Vesala, is a weather monitoring company. I'm not familiar with the uh, company, but uh, they track weather across the uh, country, and they have reported that the most lightning strikes in any single state in 2022, what state would you think? Texas is the answer. There were over 27 and a half million lightning strikes in the state of Texas last year. Florida came in second at just under 19 million strikes. So uh, quite a bit more in Texas than in, even in Florida at number two. Um, the lightning capital of Texas, Wesley Grove, which is a community between College Station and Huntsville, 262 lightning strikes in uh, that town alone. Oklahoma and Mississippi, um, 
are uh, right up there as well. I'm sorry, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Mississippi round out the top five. So uh, all in the South, kind of interesting. Uh, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, the top five states for lightning strikes. 2022. Um, here's another year-end list. It's one of the things that I love about I love lists anyway, and I love lists because lists uh, put some semblance of order into our crazy lives, you know, that seems so random. And we get lists and it puts things into some semblance of order. So U-Haul is out with their latest report on one-way rentals. They do this every year. They put in, I think they're not the only ones. I think Mayflower, uh, the other uh, movie com- moving company, uh, does a, a similar list. But U-Haul's latest report on one-way rentals indicates that a great many people are moving to Texas. The Lone Star State is the top destination for people to move to over the past year. Maybe they don't know that that's where there are more lightning strikes than any place else. I think if they knew that, maybe that would be different. But uh, apparently they apparently they don't tell people about that when they move to Texas. But more people moving to Texas uh, and Florida, again, is second on that list as well. The population of Texas has been steadily growing for decades. State has now more than 30 million residents, second only to California. Many of the new Texans... Uh, fled from California, incidentally, which ranks dead last on U-Haul's growth index. So the uh, state that most people are moving from or the fewest people are moving to. So kind of interesting there. Uh, Let's see. And uh, one other uh, story that I thought was uh, really interesting among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. And this uh, relates back to technology. uh, Once again, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show uh, is uh, going on in Las Vegas this week. As a matter of fact, a little bit later on this morning, we're going to get more uh, from CES heading into the weekend. Companies of all kinds revealing their cutting edge technology. BMW automakers uh, in recent years have had a huge presence at CES because our automobiles are more technically advanced technology, uh, such a central part of our automobiles these days. So uh, automakers have really increased in recent years their presence at CES. And BMW has uh, revealed a car with a soul, it says. A car with a soul. According to TechCrunch, BMW claims the Vision DEE possesses a digital soul, a personality not only with a voice, but even with facial expressions. Now, how does this work, you might ask? I wondered the same thing. According to a press release from BMW, DEE stands for Digital Emotional Experience, and the aim was to create an even stronger bond between people and their cars. Engineers sought to transform the car into an intelligent companion. Kind of a la Kit from Knight Rider, I think. (laughs) You know, a digital companion. To that end, the car can turn its entire windshield into an information display. (laughs) Because what? we don't need to look out the windshield and actually see the road ahead. I mean, come on, that's so... (laughs) That's so 20th century. Um, 
The entire windshield can be uh, transformed into an information display, and the car can speak to its driver. Natural language serves as the simplest, most intuitive form of interaction, enabling perfect understanding between humans and their vehicles. If uh, all this and the graphical elements, light, and sound effects aren't enough for you, there's even augmented reality projection right up to... Entry into virtual worlds. You can drive your car into a virtual world. You can take your car with you to the metaverse. The car can even switch its appearance in a range of 32 different colors. How about that? Can change itself to 32 different colors. Gone are the days when you had to go to the lot and you had to decide what color vehicle you have. Now you can have them all. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking this is pretty swanky for just going to the store for a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. You know what I mean? I know. But there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today. A high of 38. A chance of a few snow showers tonight. A low of 27. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine vetoed a bill that would have blocked cities from banning the sale of menthol cigarettes as well as candy-flavored vaping products. DeWine made the announcement during a news conference with officials from the state health department. On December 15th, the General Assembly passed a bill that would prohibit local governments from enacting laws to discourage the use of tobacco. This measure is not in the public interest, and therefore I have vetoed this bill. wine called youth smoking an epidemic that he says is exacerbated by flavored products on the market. Dave James, Owen in News. The Seneca County Board of Health has voted to issue its intent to deny the 2023 operating license for Sunny Farms Landfill in Fostoria. The Seneca County General Health District points out that the vote does not deny the landfill's operating license outright, but initiates the process required by law to do so. There were many complaints about the landfill smell under the previous ownership, and in 2019, it was ordered to pay civil penalties to resolve past violations. Get more on the website. The life-saving measures taken on the football field in Cincinnati on Monday night have first responders talking more about the importance of CPR. Athletic trainers from Ohio Health say cardiac arrests are the number one killer of athletes and stress the importance of CPR training. You don't have to do mouth-to-mouth. You go up, put your hands on your chest, give it everything you got. CPR training typically takes about eight hours to complete. You can sign up with the American Red Cross. I'm Clay Gordon. State Representative John Cross was sworn in for his third term in the Ohio House of Representatives during the opening day session of the 135th Ohio General Assembly. The Republican from Kenton will continue to serve the constituents and communities of the 83rd House District. In addition to passing laws or working on reforms, you got to help constituents out. And you fight through the government red tape, which there is a lot of. The 83rd House District that Cross represents includes Hancock and Hardin counties and portions of Logan County. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now our cover story this morning, the political drama that has played itself out on Capitol Hill this week is unlike anything that we have witnessed in any of our lifetimes. 
Hard-right Republicans are flexing their muscles and have thus far successfully blocked Kevin McCarthy's attempts to become the new Speaker of the House of Representatives. Whether they can win the battle remains to be seen, but some are concerned that either way, they may have already lost the war. We have spoken with our next guest in the past. Alan Sanders is a former Time Magazine senior reporter and professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey. And Alan, there are so many uh, parts of this, uh, so much to talk about. First of all, talk a little bit about how we got here. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is not the first one to face opposition within his own party. Uh, folks may remember Nancy Pelosi uh, faced pushback from some Democrats when she took the job in 2019, and both John Boehner and Paul Ryan had to engage in some political gamesmanship in order to secure enough support in their time. How did this go so sideways for Kevin McCarthy? Well, I think it went sideways in large measure because uh, Kevin McCarthy has been, uh, unfortunately, someone who's been willing to appease uh, extremists in his party. Uh, I mean, it all goes all the way back uh, to, uh, you know, the uh, insurrection uh, on January 6th, uh, and we're, of course, <laughs> noting the anniversary of this dreadful event. Uh, you know, he immediately then went and went to kiss the ring of Donald Trump and indicated that, uh, you know, he was making up with Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. And uh, throughout his throughout his his uh, leadership, he's basically tried to appease the extreme right wing. Uh, and the result is that the extreme right wing has felt empowered and increasingly empowered, increasingly empowered, and it's led to this situation so right now where he's uh, making more and more concessions. So it's kind of uh, ironic that, uh, as you say, he's uh, really uh, cozied up to the far right wing of the party, and yet it's that very far right, right wing that is not supporting him uh, right now and, and trying to go uh, into another uh, direction. Well, that's right, because the right, uh, that extreme right wing is basically anti-government, anti-establishment, anti-anything that would allow the federal government to work uh, properly. Uh, it's not so much, they don't have so much of an agenda, but they basically just want to create disruption yeah. uh, and try to, uh, uh, to do that. And, and unfortunately, uh, Kevin McCarthy has given in to that. Well, and, and what's interesting there is that even Donald Trump uh, can't convince them to end this. He said the other day, we need to... To, you know, move forward, unify, uh, move forward. And, you know, these are some of his biggest supporters that basically broke with Donald Trump, which uh, is rather significant in and of itself. Well, yes, there are many reasons for that, of course, but, you know, once you create a political Frankenstein, it's very hard to control that. <laughs> also, one added element here, what we should understand, is that many of these uh, folks come from gerrymandered districts uh, in which they face no political blowback. And so when you create a situation where there's no electoral mm. blowback, uh, then these people, anybody, I mean, it could be any, any politician, uh, that politician feels emboldened and there's no political cost uh, to, to, to creating chaos um, on, on the House floor. That is a, a good point. It has truly been remarkable how this soap opera has played itself out. So now Republicans have kind of painted themselves into a corner here because their majority is so thin Democrats united behind Hakeem Jeffries because, again, part of the way this works is uh, both parties get to uh, put forth their own nominees, and usually the minority party has no chance uh, to get uh, enough votes. But uh, since Democrats are united and they are just shy of the majority, any effort to lower the voting threshold is not an option uh, because Hakeem Jeffries right now 
leads Kevin McCarthy in the vote. So you kind of paint yourself into a corner here. Well, that's right. I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out. We'll have to see who blinks on the Republican side. But mm-hmm. if no one blinks on the Republican side, then we could get, we could get, I mean, this is a scenario that's a little far-fetched, but you never know. I mean, things have gone in far-fetched ways uh, <laughs> before yeah. uh, here. Um, uh, but we could get into a situation where um, some Republicans might try to approach Democrats and see whether they could strike a deal on some sort of compromise candidate to be Speaker. Now, we're way off from that because, again, uh, you know, the Republicans Republicans may be able to get their house in order, and if they do, then uh, then yeah. that's what will happen. We'll get that kind a uh, Republican uh, speaker. How uh, are we really that far off from that, though? I mean, it's been what? How many ballots now? At least ten votes, and uh, nothing really has moved substantially. Uh, ten votes. It's been a week. Um, so, at what point do they have to uh, think about taking those extreme measures? Well, I think they are going to have to take those extreme measures or think about extreme measures um, early, as early as this weekend or next week because uh, mm. the payrolls are blocked and so right. the staff is not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of things uh, are, need to be addressed. Many constituents go to their members of Congress to ask for uh, help in dealing with federal government and applications and so forth, and none of that can be done because uh, the members uh, that are arguing uh, on the floor of the House right now are not even members of Congress. Right. They're just people who have been elected, but they're not members of Congress. They can't do anything. They have no authority to do anything until they elect a speaker. Which uh, actually leads to the next part of the question, which is what about the long-term damage to the party as a whole? Is this more of a PR embarrassment than anything else, or is there a scorched earth effect uh, here that will linger even when a speaker is finally chosen? Well, there's certainly a PR effect. I mean, people are noticing this chaos that the Republicans are not able to get their act together. So right. that, that's a problem. But more seriously, um, what this heralds is a, a party that's in open war with itself as we go f- forward to, de- to deal with substantive legislation. I mean, uh, you know, feelings are, are really high. Uh, these things don't go away. Uh, there have been personal attacks, um, philosophical attacks. And I think it shows that uh, if they can't get together on a speaker, they're going to have a lot of trouble getting together on substantive policies, many of which are controversial. So this does not herald well for the Republican Party trying to govern and to pass legislation in the House going forward. What about for Kevin Mar- uh, Kevin McCarthy himself? I mean, assuming that ultimately he does uh, become Speaker, I've been reading a lot of analysis of this whole situation, and it seems that many pundits believe that at this point, even if he does win the job, he will be severely weakened as Speaker. How so? Well, I think so. I mean, if, uh, you know, the vote or the, the motion of one member uh, to challenge uh, the speaker uh, is uh, put into effect, it means that anyone can get up on the floor at any time and call for a vote uh, to, house, to, to oust the speaker. And that just means that the, the House will not be able to function. Uh, look, you've got 435 members, and uh, if everybody is allowed to go their own way and to insist on their priorities, uh, nothing can get done. That's why uh, you want a strong speaker in the House because it's really the only way to uh, sort of herd all of the cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, 435 people going each their separate ways, you'll never get anything accomplished. And although it sounds democratic, it sounds democratic and it sounds good, the reality is it doesn't allow the House to function. Yeah. And so, uh, 
you know, McCarthy is going to find himself uh, really um, compromised and hamstrung to achieve many things. Well, it's interesting, and you were bringing it up earlier, that uh, McCarthy, uh, over the past several years, has tried to appease all sides, uh, probably with an eye on uh, going for the Speaker's position when Republicans uh, gain control. But to a certain extent, that's kind of what the uh, Speaker has to do uh, at a certain level, right, Is, is find a way to appease all sides and bring, as you said, herd the cats. Yeah, and it's a delicate balance. It requires yeah. political talent, it requires carrots, it requires sticks, and only, you know, very special people are able to do that properly. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that Kevin McCarthy has the talent to be able to do that mm. properly. I mean, we're seeing it play out on the House floor. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi was able to do that uh, with carrots and sticks, and uh, many other speakers have been able to do that, but some have not. Uh, Boehner was not able to. He was kind of run out of the House. Uh, Paul Ryan kind of gave up. Uh, it's a very difficult job, uh, and uh, and uh, not everybody um, has the proper uh, temperament and the proper uh, strategy, and um, and uh, you know you're seeing that play out on the floor. Uh, it's an unfortunate thing because really we do need a speaker to run the place so that mm-hmm. government can go forward. Yeah, uh, I have also heard one analyst, at least one analyst, suggest that this could be a fatal blow to the Freedom Caucus, which ironically is the same group that forced successful forced John Boehner out of the speakership. Um, Has the Freedom Caucus miscalculated and and overreached to that extent that uh, this may lead to the uh, disillusion of the, the Freedom Caucus? Well, it's certainly overreached. Uh, whether it's overreached far enough to lead to its dissolution will remain to be seen, but it's certainly created a lot of antagonism, and there are a lot of uh, more moderate Republicans who are rather upset at the concessions that uh, McCarthy is making to this group. And so those animosities are going to persist, and that's why they will persist um, in the uh, process of legislation. So this is not going to go away, and if these animosities continue, and I suspect they will, that could lead to the fracturing of the Freedom Caucus and to the attempt by the moderates to try to isolate it and control it in some way. But again, as I say, when you create a political monster and a monster that relies on gerrymandered districts to stay in power, you've got a real problem. So this is not something that's going to go away. Uh, it's going to last for a while, and we'll have to really see how it plays out ultimately. Yeah. They will be back at it again today. Again, Alan Sanders, former Time Pangazine senior reporter, professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey. Really remarkable uh, how all of this has been playing out on Capitol Hill this week, unlike anything we have seen in our lifetimes. Alan, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate your insight. All right. My pleasure. Take care. Again, it is a showcase for everything from the practical to the futuristic to the offbeat side of technology. Tech expert Katie Linendahl has more this morning from CES 2023 in Las Vegas. And Katie, as we were mentioning yesterday, there's a little bit of everything at this show, but it seems every year... There's some sort of theme or trend that emerges, not necessarily by design, just kind of organically. What are the trends that you are seeing at this year's CES? Oh, goodness, yeah, and that's the first thing you look for. You kind of get a lay of the land, you kind of find the common denominators that are happening, but it is the Super Bowl for nerds, and there's always, to your point, those themes, and we're going to hit on some of those themes today because 
This year, obviously, computing, always a big one. Uh, AI, ethical AI is a huge one as well. Mm. The metaverse, which people have been talking about nonstop for the last year, alongside virtual reality uh, in, in augmented reality and mixed reality is a very big popular theme. And also the world of auto, which we're also going to share a really fun auto example with you. So those are the big themes this year. And um, very exciting stuff for 2023 and beyond. Okay, so you have some great examples of all of that to uh, highlight for us. Where do we yes. start here? Perfect. Uh, I have the chance to partner with some amazing companies, and Acer obviously being one of the, uh, the forefront of the tech world. And very exciting news from them because we started with computing, and computing to me is just amplified year over year. It's something I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but a lot of excitement and enthusiasm, especially around the world of gaming and laptops. Because those worlds have to combine, but you have to have a very, very powerful laptop to work with some of those top games this year that are so realistic. And consumers want high-powered systems. And Acer introduced the Nitro 16, and this had to be covered with all tech specs from a powerful AMD Ryzen 7000 series processor to an NVIDIA GeForce RTX 40 series laptop GPU. I'm giving you some nerdy tech specs, but any gamer knows that it is all about the experience and the performance behind the scenes to give you everything you want for that powerful gameplay. And also, to you know, from the consumer side of computing, people want a lot of storage, they want a lot of ports, and they want high-speed connectivity and a really great display. There's a 16-inch display on this model, and again, it's the Nitro 16 gaming laptop, and not out yet. We got a little bit of a sneak peek, and it was just announced with a lot of enthusiasm. So that is big on the computing side. Now, uh, for those who are not necessarily into gaming or, for that matter, even computers, you've got a couple of examples of uh, kind of everyday ways, everyday technology, uh, things that, that will uh, impact just about everyone. Yes. Let's talk about sleep because everybody can get behind sleep and we're realizing the critical importance of it year over year. You know, I think it was such a badge of honor to go into work two years ago and say so you got like an hour of sleep, you know, that was so like, oh, good for you, you know, you were working hard. Now I think we realize that our bodies genuinely need recharged and the data science and technology and the technologies around sleep are really interesting. And of course, a company that we all know across the country, Sleep Number, they just introduced a Climate 360 smart bed. Now, check this out. They did a survey, and 80% of couples reported that one or both partners sleep either too hot or too cold. So this Climate 360 bed can allow you to personalize each side of the bed, and it will actively warm or cool the area surrounding you for deeper or more restful sleep. At the same time, it'll also track your average heart rate, your average breathing rate, and your body motion using research-grade sensors to help you monitor and improve your health over time. So incredible stuff happening for our everyday lives. If you're tech-savvy or not tech-savvy, you know that sleep is so critically important, and now we have technology to actually help improve and make sure we get the best sleep possible. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who could not use a smart bed? It's kind of that evolving uh, <laughs> field. It, it's sort of that evolving field of the smart home. And this is something that we've been talking about, as we were mentioning yesterday. Yeah. This is, I remember talking about the smart home years ago when it was still way off into the future, and it sounded so wild and amazing. And now it's I'm, kind of every day. Uh, you've got another example of that with home lighting. Yeah, you know, lighting is becoming very popular, and as you, you, know, you nailed it, I mean, smart homes across the board, there's so many directions that we could talk about, but the lighting has been absolutely key, and, and consumers are just gobbling up the latest in lighting technology. And I know gaming is, you know, it's, it's a little narrow, it's a little niche, 
But I think this puts a spotlight on how interesting lighting is because a leader in the smart home industry is called Gozi, and they said, hey, we identify that gaming and lighting, there, there's a match there. And what's so interesting is they came out with an AI gaming sync box kit, which allows you to level up your gameplay with your lighting. So first of the kind of the market, it actually brings your on-screen moments while you're gaming correspond to your lighting effects. And this is all done with ethical AI algorithm called CogniGlow. So imagine, you know, these games now are so incredibly immersive, and we see that with any gamer in your life, myself being a gamer. They're so intense and so real. Imagine if your lighting is synced right to it, and that's the capability. So I thought that was incredibly cool. And then just to go way outside the box and finish with a crazy uh, technology that is popular uh, from CES, the flying car. I got to hit you with a flying car. It's not CES unless we talk about something over the top. Exactly. And believe it or not, this is available for pre-order, $800,000. It is called the Asta A5, and it's the size of an SUV. And it's the world's first four-seating electric vehicle that can travel by land or air and up to 250 miles on a charge. It fits into an existing parking space and can be charged in an EV station, but it also runs on regular gas. And if you think that price point is too high, you're right. But by 2026, it could also be your Uber ride because they are getting into ride share by 2026. <laughs> so your next ride, it might be a flying car. You know when you can pick your options, you're like a SUV, Lux, flying car. Flying car. <laughs> yeah. That could be the <laughs> there are always, right. always some things that uh, push the envelope here. I want to go back and and ask you about something uh, that that you mentioned because, as we were talking, AI has been one of the buzzwords of technology. Yeah. But you mentioned something about ethical AI that uh, yeah. I, I, I'm curious about. Explain what that is and why that is so significant. <laughs> me and being in the consumer technology space, you know, my background in expertise is truly in technology. I started coding when I was 12 years old. I have my networking certifications, my IT degree. And, you know, these things come up in our tech space that are very intense and the the, the, the rate of acceleration has just been increasing year over year. Mm -hmm. It's critical for me to say that we're ethical AI because I think we're starting to see some real life black mirror things happening. You know, people are familiar with the Netflix, uh, Right. Black Mirror. Right. It's like, where does this go? Where does AI go? And I'm just always adamant about we're adding the word ethical AI because I think AI can do some really cool things. And we use AI, and for example, if you're traveling using Waze or Google Maps, your AI is constantly working, giving you the best directions. There are good uses of AI, and then there's also directions in AI that I'm like, oh, it's a little, it's a little gray area. So for me personally, in the, in the consumer technology space, I always make clear this is AI for good. So when I say ethical AI, I say AI for good, essentially. Uh, and also, one other question, can I ask you to put on your industry analyst hat for a moment? This is an industry oh. that was obviously hit very hard by supply chain issues, microchip availability, and so on over the past year. Now we have a number of companies investing in making more of these high-tech components in this country. Intel's Central Ohio plant, uh, one of the major projects in the works. What will be the trickle-down effect of that across the entire tech industry? How exciting is that? Oh, for, I can give you my subjective opinion. I'm 100% for a USA-made. Bring the workforce to any more jobs that we can get here in the United States. I am 100% all for that. And I think that we should be doing more work, especially in the tech side, here in the USA. 
Again, tech expert Katie Linendahl with us uh, from CES 2023 in Las Vegas. Katie, we appreciate you taking some time for us this morning. Before we let you go, where can we get more info on all of the stuff we've been talking about here? Oh, absolutely. We're on all the tech trends, and you can follow us over at dailylounge.com, or I'm over at social at Katie Linendahl, and always love to talk about the latest and greatest trends. So the high school basketball season gets back into gear this weekend after the extended winter break for most teams. It is a busy weekend for the Trojans, hosting Fremont Ross tonight and then traveling to Ottawa Glendorf tomorrow. A couple of really big games. Our John Marshall spoke with Finley head coach Jim Rookie on Wednesday's Coach's Corner. We last spoke December 14. Since then, you played four games, three and one, one and one, and three Rivers Athletic Conference. First, it was a loss to Toledo Central Catholic, a team that has lost just once themselves to Akron St. Vincent St. Mary. They had a defensive game plan that seemed to shut your offense down in large part. Uh, just a quick thought on that one. Yeah, they did a great job. Uh, we didn't play very well that night, but a, a lot of that is due to them. Their their defense was tremendous. They put five guys out there that are all athletic, can move, or strong, and uh, they did a great job uh, preventing us from doing anything we wanted to do, really. Now, you wiped out Greater Latrobe, uh, the team from Pennsylvania, in an afternoon affair December 22nd, 72-33, the final in that one. What brought that game about? Just a matter of two teams with open dates? They had contacted some schools out here about playing in a tournament, and, and they had a connection with uh, some uh, the coach or the AD at Antwerp mm-hmm. up in the northwest corner. Mm-hmm. And because Antwerp is a, a small school, and Latrobe is a good-sized school, they, they contacted us to see if we had anything like a, some kind of a holiday tournament that they could come out and play in, and we didn't, but... Uh, we were looking for a game. For, had to be, we were really looking for a home game, and so Nate uh, Wyrow, our AD, worked it out that they he could find another game for them, so they would come out not play in a tournament, but play two games. Mm-hmm. So they came out and played Fremont, uh, and then played us the next night. Okay, now you wrapped up the calendar at 2022 with a 73-50 win over the Rough Riders from St. Mary's. That was a good win. I mean, they they've got a nice team. They're they are big. Of course, they have Austin Park, 6'11", committed to Ohio State. He's a great player. And then they have a 6'7", 6'6" sophomores. Um, so, you know, we we did a really good job that that day. I think our guys really were active and harassed their guards and prevented them from getting the ball where they wanted to get it because if you let them you know they they shot 60 percent that game they were 20 for 30 from the field and we beat them by 20 some because we just didn't we we turned them over and didn't let them get many shots but when you when when they get shots they're good ones and they can make them uh and a lot of them are close range and um, so that that was a great effort by our guys. I thought they they did a really good job, especially coming back after a few days off for Christmas. So we had good practices leading up to that, and and um, they played really well. Then you went to Oregon to take on Clay. Came home with a 52-35 win. Uh, always nice to get uh, a win to get the the new calendar started, and also 
uh, anytime you can get a win in the league, that's always a bonus. You know, we, we were a little bit sloppy maybe. It wasn't our prettiest effort uh, coming after, uh, you know, first day back in school and, and so forth. But did, a, did enough good things to, uh, to get the job done. Friday, you're back in league play when you host Fremont Ross. The Little Giants open the season with a win over Clay and then wait, but since then have gone over for the last month. Even so, I know that Ross is going to bring their best game against a rival. Yeah, they come. They have really good athletes. They've got the leading scorer in the league back from last year uh, and some, some athletic kids who are going to compete really hard against us. And uh, We had a barn burner with them here last year, and uh, we need to play well to, to come away with a win against them. Saturday, no rest. The third game in five days and just two losses on the Titans record at Cincinnati-Princeton, Lutheran West of Rocky River. Uh, they're just six points shy of being undefeated, so they're certainly going to pose a challenge. Oh, my gosh. They have a really good team. Good size all the way around. Uh, they have a tremendous player in Colin White who's going to be playing uh, some big-time college basketball. Post player, the uh, Theo Mag, who's gotten a lot better. Uh, 6'4", really good shooter, depth. Uh, they're going to come after you, and, and, and uh, it's always a good uh, atmosphere over there. Trojan boys basketball coach Jim Rookie, thanks for getting us caught up after the break. Thank you, John. Again, it's a big weekend for the uh, Trojans. Both of those games right here on WFIN. We've got the uh, uh, Finley-Fremont-Ross game tonight. Right about 7.15 will be airtime, and then tomorrow... Uh, we'll hit the air roughly 6.15 uh, at Ottawa Glandorf as the uh, Trojans uh, hit the road on Saturday. You can follow them all right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Meanwhile, other action around the area over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. It's BBC action as Macomb travels to Arlington. Should be a dandy of a game. And of course, on 106.3 The Fox, it's all the Trojan or all of the uh, uh, Ottawa Glandorf Titan uh, games. They will host St. Mary's tonight and then we will have the uh, Titans version of of the uh, OG Finley game tomorrow, and that is on 106.3 The Fox. And, of course, you can follow all of the area action at the WFIN scoreboard page, uh, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. We've got it linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news... Uh, we start in Gresham, Oregon, which is just outside of uh, Portland, where Corin Kramer has been charged with biting off another man's ear and part of his face. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice guy. That's the way to start the new year. Biting off another man's ear and part of his face. It happened early Tuesday morning. At a public transit station just out of uh, just outside of Portland, um, and why did he do this? You might add, ask. Well, police say that Mr. Kramer uh, told them he thought the victim was a robot. <laughs> he thought the the man was a robot, and so he bit his ear off and tried to bite off part of his face because you know if you're confronted by a murderous robot, that would be the first thing you would do, right? That's Yeah, he said uh, he thought that uh, the, 
the robot was trying to kill him based on his smell. <laughs> the victim is hospitalized but should recover. Mr. Kramer has been charged with assault. At least, I would think. <clears throat> he was a robot! Uh, not to be outdone in the dumb criminal uh, department, in Warren, Michigan, uh, Willie Lee Allen testified at his arraignment that uh, he wasn't trying to uh, wasn't trying to shoot an officer that was trying to place him under arrest. He was just trying to give the officer a gun. <laughs> he was just trying to give the gun to the officer. And it just happened to go off. Apparently, Mr. Allen uh, claimed that he had just had his car and home broken into. Um, and uh, But the police say that he was running from a traffic stop. Uh, he is charged with third degree fleeing an officer, assaulting or resisting arrest, assault with a dangerous weapon, etc., etc., Etc. But I was just trying to give the gun to the officer. I wasn't actually trying to shoot the officer. It just went off. Just... <laughs> uh, let's see. We already have a candidate for Mother of the Year. It is a 32-year-old Georgia woman. I don't have her name. Who apparently uh, left her child in a car at a convenience store in northwest Georgia for at least an hour on Christmas Day. Left, what a nice thing to do on Christmas Day. Left her, left her toddler in the car for at least an hour. And uh, the reason she did so, she went inside to play some slot machines. Mother of the year. And here's the kicker. She was arrested for reportedly doing the same thing last February. It's not the first time she's done this. <laughs> oh, mom's just playing the slots again. Wow. Uh, this is kind of crazy. I mean, somebody has far too much free time. A 19-year-old unicyclist riding his single-wheeled vehicle from Maine to Key West, Florida, has reached the state of Florida, still has hundreds of miles to go, obviously, but he, but Avery Souter, age 19, uh, who is originally from Jacksonville, but now lives in Maine, said his unicycle ride down the eastern seaboard is aimed at raising money and awareness for the East Coast Greenway, which is a project aimed at creating a network of connected cycling trails into one complete route down the East Coast of the United States. Uh, and so he decided to cycle from Maine to Key West. He arrived Sunday in St. Augustine, Florida, after traveling about 1,800 miles since starting his 15-state journey back in early September. Uh, on a unicycle... He was spotted riding Tuesday in Palm Coast, about 445 miles from Key West. He said he has relied on the hospitality of strangers during his journey. Everyone who I stay with gets to sign my helmet, so I've collected a lot of names, he said. It's kind of a record of everyone I've met along the way. He said he travels about 20 to 30 miles per day at a speed of 8 or 9 miles an hour. That's... Wow. 
He said uh, he expects to complete the remainder of his journey in about five weeks. So started all the way back in September. It'll take him until mid-February. That is crazy. Somebody with far too much free time on their hands. 19 years old. Shouldn't you just have a job? Wow. Um, crazy story out of Alabama. Vicki Wise, who lives in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, is trying to find the owner of a teddy bear that she uh, picked up. It was discarded. Uh, somebody just threw it out. She happened to pick it up and intended on giving it to her dog as a chew toy. Uh, but then when she got to looking at it, she noticed a Velcro seal on the back of the uh, teddy bear. Curiosity got the best over. Uh, she opened it up only to find a heart-shaped box with human ashes inside and the name of Barry Freed, who apparently died back in May of 2020. She said it was rather startling. I would think so. Uh, she is now on the hunt to find the owner of the teddy bear and the family of Mr. Freed. Uh, the words forever in my heart were embroidered on the foot of the toy. So a, a keepsake of sorts there. Somebody probably mistakenly, I would think, discarded. Or maybe they didn't really like Barry all that much and maybe they <laughs> threw it out intentionally. I don't know, but that's crazy. And finally, in the broken news this morning... Uh, you got a feel for some of the people who bought homes at a luxury condominium complex. Um, and this is Miami, Florida. It seems that the swanky high rise happens to be located right next to Miami's federal detention center. <laughs> and now residents say the shouting and screaming coming from the neighboring prison is cutting into their peace and quiet. Others say they have to avoid the pool area because it is in full view of the inmates' recreational space. And the uh, prisoners have been gawking, whistling, and hollering at those lounging in the sunshine. <laughs> One resident by the name of Ryan Ray uh, tells news reporters, I moved in right at the peak of when everyone was moving to Miami and there was very little availability. He pays $2,700 a month for his two-bedroom unit and recorded a video of inmates pressing themselves against the open windows to catcall people at the condo's pool. He says he, he actually was aware that the detention center was there when he signed the papers, but he had no idea that it would be so noisy and disruptive. The uh, condo was opened in 2021, built on top of a parking lot. Uh, Mr. Ray uh, believes that the developers didn't care about the not-so-ideal location of their new high-rise. The Federal Bureau of Prisons also dealing with issues caused by the condo. Many of the videos of inmates hanging off the windows to catch a look at the sunbathers. While for safety and security reasons we do not discuss internal guidance or security practices, we can say that the issue presented in the videos uh, is under investigation, and we are actively pursuing a solution to both address the concern of the public uh, that will be in accordance with the American Correctional Association guidelines. Statement from the Department of Corrections to a local news outlet. You got a feel for that. That's less than ideal situation there. There you go. 
That is your broken news report this morning. Update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, Losing weight is always one of the most popular New Year's resolutions every year. And a uh, new survey finds that the average American in 2023 wants to lose 29 pounds this year. We were mentioning this a little bit earlier. It's a survey of 1,000 people commissioned for Eris Composites. Uh, so the question becomes, how are we planning on losing? That's, I mean, that's not an insignificant number, 29 pounds. So uh, overall, 78% of Americans plan to exercise more in 2023 than they did last year. Most of that will come from walking. 77% plan to get in their steps, their daily steps more frequently. Into it. Now, whether walking will be enough to to get us to shed 29 pounds, I don't know. Some of the other popular workout strategies for the new year, 45% will take up weightlifting, 35% will do more running, 32% will do more hiking, and 26% say they will pick up yoga. So those are the uh, most popular forms of exercise, according to those in the survey again 1000 americans by the way for those runners i thought this was kind of interesting for the 35 percent who say that they're going to run we are pretty ambitious about this um the average runner in the survey hopes to run 10 miles a week which is double the amount that they ran last year again i think that's pretty aggressive goal most uh experts will say Start slow and build up to that, but we seem to have some pretty lofty goals. By the way, the average participant in the survey was 38 years old, half were male, 47% female, and 3% uh, described themselves as non-binary. And now this morning we begin a new year of easy and tasty recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio once again this morning. Um, this is something we actually started this uh, feature yeah. uh, back during the pandemic yep. when we were we were locked down. 2020. We were doing the... Uh, doing the program from the home studio yep. and uh, I actually we just didn't have a whole lot else to talk about we wanted to do something lighter just wanted to do something different yep. kind of fun yep. and uh, so <laughs> since we were locked down at home I was like hey why don't we do some uh, recipes and have some fun and it turned out to be this yeah. big thing that we go out nowadays and <laughs> <laughs> She's the only one that gets recognized. Oh, Everybody stop. stops and says, no. "What is your, your recipes? You must have 
I did Great have somebody recipes. today or yesterday. See, I mean, it's not kidding about this. Uh, so anyway, uh, here we begin a uh, new year of yes. tasty and easy to make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And this is one, I, I will say this, uh, I have eaten better the past couple of years than... At any point in our marriage. Because he's the guinea pig. Exactly. Get <laughs> so, all of these. Although there have been some. He's like, mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, too but, many uh, veggies, honey. For the. <laughs> well, I don't want things that are too healthy. I mean, let's not go overboard here. But but no, uh, some uh, fabulous recipes, and yes. I've tried most of them, uh, including this one, which we had uh, earlier this week. It is mm-hmm. a sour cream beef noodle casserole. Yes. So 12 ounce uh, uncooked egg noodles, uh, one pound ground beef, one yellow onion, finely chopped, uh, two medium cloves, minced. Um, I just used my minced garlic um, uh, that I have in the jar. I love that. Uh, One can of 28 ounce crushed tomatoes, one tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce. Did I say that right? Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. I cannot Mm -hmm. say it. Two teaspoons of packed Paprika, two tablespoons of sugar, red pepper flakes to taste. If you don't want them, if you don't want the kick or anything, don't. You don't even have to put them in there if you yeah, don't want. Yeah, that's strictly for Correct. a little. Yeah, and I put a little it. bit in there, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. So, so uh, two teaspoons of paprika, two tablespoons of sugar. Oh, I already said that. Yeah, Salt and pepper to taste. Eight ounce uh, sour cream. Eight ounce small curd cottage cheese, a half a cup of Parmesan cheese shredded, and two cups of cheddar cheese shredded. So bring a pot of salted water to boil. Cook the egg noodles for about seven minutes. Don't overcook them because you're going to be baking them also. Okay. So so do the seven minutes, then rinse in the cold water to stop the cooking process. M- meanwhile, brown your uh, ground beef in a skillet, uh, breaking up. Uh, drain that. Add your onion, your garlic to the skillet. Saute that until uh, the garlic is nice and fragrant. About three minutes. Uh, pour in crushed tomatoes, uh, then season with your uh, Worcestershire sauce, your paprika, your sugar, your pepper flakes, your salt, pepper to taste, and simmer until it's thick for about five minutes or so. Then in a large bowl while that's cooking, um, combine your sour cream, your cottage cheese, your Parmesan, and your egg noodles. Mix that all together. Then uh, prepare your baking dish with some cooking spray. Spoon half of the pasta mixture in, then top it with your beef mixture, then a little bit of cheddar cheese, then repeat, excuse me, repeat with another set of pasta, beef, cheddar. So it's kind of like lasagna. Correct. uh, The way you're layering it Yeah, you're layering it. Yeah. Yep. Then uh, bake uncovered for about 300 uh, on at 350 degrees for about 25 to 30 minutes or until your cheese is nice and melty and and, and then enjoy yeah, it. It's, uh, yeah, it's yummy. Yeah. The sour cream beef squirrel. noodle casserole. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a squirrel out there. Oh, there's a squirrel out there? Yeah. There is a squirrel out there. <laughs> Don't have a recipe for squirrel. <laughs> I don't know why we bring that. It's a very, very random. Sorry. Uh, then to go along with the sour cream beef noodle casserole, have a recipe for melting sweet potatoes. Yes. So with this, uh, it's two tablespoons of butter, one tablespoon of olive oil, two medium sweet potatoes peeled, uh, the ends sliced off, and then slice them uh, about three quarter inches. It should uh, You should get, with the two sweet potatoes, you should get about 10 slices. Um, and then salt to taste a little bit, sprinkle a little bit of salt, 
uh, half a cup of chicken broth, one teaspoon of sweet and smoky seasoning, two tablespoons of brown sugar, and five large marshmallows cut in half. So preheat your oven to 400 degrees. Mm-hmm. Heat the butter and olive oil in a large cast iron or oven-proof skillet uh, over medium-high heat. Add your potatoes in a single layer, layer, then sprinkle them with the salt. Cook until um, the first side is golden brown. About four minutes. Uh, while those are cooking, whisk your broth, your seasoning, your brown sugar, uh, just in like a measuring cup um, so you can kind of pour it. Um, so you okay. want something that you can pour. Then uh, flip the potatoes carefully with your tongs, then pour the broth mixture over that. Transfer the skillet to the oven. Bake on the center rack until the potatoes are very tender. Um, I use my fork. Hence the melting sweet yes. potatoes. They're going to be right. very, very, very tender, tender. Which, of course, sweet potatoes are anyway. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah. So 20 to 25 minutes, then remove the skillet from the oven. Preheat your boiler on high. Top each year sweet potatoes with a marshmallow with the cut side down on top of the on top of the sweet potato. Boil on top just a minute or so. And one of my helpful hints that yeah. I learned was uh, keep your oven door cracked and uh, cracked open so then you can kind of see it. And, and, you're and gonna, it doesn't get quite so hot. Correct. It doesn't get quite so hot. Especially and, yes. since you're only broiling it for like a right. minute, minute or so. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so watch closely to prevent the burning. You want golden brown. Unless you like burnt marshmallows, which I do. <laughs> well, so, that's true too. Yeah. So <laughs> you the, just don't want them too burnt. <laughs> yeah. The melting sweet potatoes there. And yes. then for dessert, you have a rice pudding yes. recipe. So this was a request. Um, Aha. Yes. So one large egg, three-fourths cup milk, a half a teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, an eighth teaspoon of ground nutmeg, three tablespoons of granulated sugar, quarter teaspoon of vanilla extract, one cup of cooked rice. So you want to make sure your rice is cooked. Um, and then your option if you want to put whipped cream on it. Um, so preheat your oven to 355, 325 degrees, lightly butter. Um, a four by six or a five by five baking dish, uh, then in a medium-sized bowl, whisk together your egg, your milk, your salt, your cinnamon, your nutmeg, your sugar, and your vanilla. Uh, then stir in your rice, pull into the small ba- pour into the small baking dish. Then boil a kettle of water to make a water bath. Then place the baking dish into a larger baking dish, about an eight by eight or so. Okay. Pour the boiling water on top of that. This is called a water bath. So it helps so it it cooks evenly. Hmm. So that's why you're doing that. Okay. So it, it kind of insulates the dish and makes it uh, cook evenly. Uh, uh-huh. You could place then place both of those pans on a sheet pan and then place it in the oven uh, for about 50 to 55 minutes until it's lightly brown um, and then um, set... You'll want it, I want to say, about five, ten minutes to let it set after you bring it out of the oven. To kind of firm up. Yeah, to bit. kind of firm okay. up and then enjoy with some whipped cream. Mm, okay. So, so, yeah. That is kind of interesting. It is yeah. a bit of involved, uh, yeah. it's not a whole lot of ingredients there, right. but the preparation. The I mean, pre- some of the, yeah. some of the, the water recipes it's, have a lot of yeah. res- or a lot of ingredients, but yeah. the prep is easy. This right. is a few ingredients, but a little bit more complicated more prep. Yeah. prep. And it's really not complicated. I mean, it's just putting your one pan inside of another pan with some water. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's like putting but, the puzzle together yeah, there. Yeah. And you said that was a request. You had yes. a request for some yes. rice pudding. Uh, we uh, will 
mention that again. If there is something that you are looking for, if you have a re recipe that you would uh, like to have, you've been searching for a great recipe for whatever, you can uh, make a request. Uh, you can go to the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN, or you can you can message uh, Kyra there. You can post right there, yep. and maybe somebody else can help you out. Uh, you can also email us good mornings at WFIN.com. Uh, if you have a, or if you have a recipe to share, yes. you can uh, always uh, send along a recipe, and we've had a few of those, which is always good too. We've got the uh, recipes for the sour cream beef noodle casserole, the melting sweet potatoes, and the rice pudding, posted up on the uh, website or the uh, Facebook page now, and those are linked up at GoodMornings.net. Yes, my wife Kyra. Thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, many small businesses that received federal pandemic loans, which were welcome relief at the time, are now on the hook for repayments. And some say the timing couldn't be worse. What now for millions of entrepreneurs who find themselves caught between a rock and a hard place? So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.